Hi, this is Tara Reed from TaraReed.com, and this is the Inspiration Podcast with Miriam Shulman. It's the Inspiration Place Podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place Podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Well, hello, this is your host, artist Miriam Shulman, and you're listening to episode number nine of the Inspiration Place podcast. I am so thrilled that you're here. Today, I've invited artist Tara Reed, who has been licensing her art since 2004. With a love of business, for many years, she did all of her own marketing, exhibiting at industry trade shows, as well as creating the art. In 2008, she founded ArtLicensingInfo.com, a resource for artists to learn the business side of licensing her art. She sold that same site seven years later when her father's health was declining. And shortly thereafter, she decided it was time for a change and joined the Roaring Brook Licensing Agency. While it was a hard decision to make after steering her own ship for 13 years, working with an agent has freed up time and energy so she can focus more fully on creating art. So in this episode, we're going to talk about why working with an agent makes her more creative the trends she spotted in recent trade shows, such as the annual Surtex show, and also how she creates collections for her agent to share with clients. Hey, Tara, thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Tara, I've been following you for a long time when you were teaching art licensing. I kind of dipped my toe in that water and I do get like $13 every month from various people, but not much, you know, it's not really my business. My business is doing online art classes and creating fine art for sale. And it's a really, as we're, as we'll get into in this conversation, we're going to talk about really the difference is between creating art that is for a client versus, you know, where I just like, I just do what I feel like. And I, so I really want to talk to you, but yeah, at the same time, there are certain things that do intersect, which is why I used to like those conversations and going to Surtex because there's things that kind of appear on the, like the cultural conscious, like why something becomes a trend and then shows up. And then I like to pay attention to those things. So I wanted to talk to you about that first, like what were the trends that you spotted this year on Surtex? And then we're going to dive into your role as an artist who now you have an agent and then how you support clients who come to you with different art or whether it is that you come up with the art and then you show it to clients. So are you ready for that? I am ready. Oh, awesome. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Okay. So first of all, I have my own ideas, but what did what were the trends that you spotted at Surtex this year? Well, the one, and I'd kind of seen it coming, and it definitely was confirmed at Surtex, was the sloth is like yes. the upcoming animal. Yes. And <clears throat> I always go home. I stay, I stay with my mom when I'm at Surtex. She lives in New York now. And she's always like, oh, what are the trends? I'm like, the sloth. She's like, the sloth? Why? <laughs> like, why the sloth? I'm like, I don't know. It's kind of gone like owls, foxes, unicorns, llama, and now we have the sloth. 
I said, I think it's because it's just like to embrace a slower lifestyle. I mean, honestly, that's what I think sloth is about. Like the sayings are a lot of times about laziness or, you know, stop rushing. And I kind of think that's why we're starting to see the sloth because we all just need to slow down. That's why I'm embracing the sloth anyway, but. That's That's so interesting. But I also saw Mm -hmm. like kind of a broader trend of just jungle animals in general. Like we we had the woodland creatures that included the fox and the owl. Mm -hmm. And now I see, okay, like the exotic ones. Birds in particular, I would say. Like the tropical birds. um, At least this is what I was seeing. Tropical birds and hearing about and tropical leaves. And even, you know, like jungle, even if it's just leaves. So yes. to the un, you know, untuned eye, they might be like, oh, it's tropical leaves and be happy with it. But really, we're going into that jungle leaf look. Yes. And like that jungle low, what's that, that like leaf that looks like this. No, but they can't, they can't see me. So I can't draw it from my fingers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I was seeing like weird animals, like besides the sloth, zebras, pandas, and like you said, any kind of jungle animal that kind of went with the cheetahs. Do you agree with that? I I didn't. I mean, you are rocking more than I was um, okay. at the show. Yeah. I I, it, zebras and cheetahs didn't really jump out to me, which I feel like maybe they would have because they were so huge, or at least their prints were so huge a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't throw anything in a store without hitting a zebra print something. That's true. Or, or a leopard print. But I do see that coming back a little, but I would say more that like the leaves, the tropical leaves, jungle leaves, and, and yeah, kind of moving toward from the woods, the woodland animals to the jungle animals. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely. Then it's a trend that I think is, it's still there. I mean, you were saying exotic birds, but I feel like mm-hmm. the peacocks have kind of waned a little bit. Would you agree with that? Or do you think they're still hot? Uh, no, I think they're on their way out. They're yeah. kind of walking away with their pretty little but um, <laughs> no, it was more like tropical birds. Like I had a new okay. tropical bird collection and then also like a birds of the coast. I had two new bird collections that we were showing and it was definitely the tropical birds were the ones people were like, Oh yeah, tropical birds. This is what we need. I had interest in the coastal birds because you're always going to have coastal, a need for coastal, but the tropical birds was where people felt like they were getting more excited because it was more what they were, was on their radar for trend. Okay. And then how do you see this actually playing out? So is it that you start getting requests from your agent? Can you show me a tropical bird? Or is it that you notice there's a trend? So you create tropical birds for your portfolio. So those tend to sell better. Like, which is it? It just, it really depends. Sometimes it's a little bit of each. I would say like my portfolio is built more on what I want to build into it than my agent telling me. But at the okay. same time, like I just, I recently just sent my agent a list and said, Hey, here's trends that I saw and heard about because he's getting ready to go to the Atlanta gift show in July. Okay. And so I said, you know, if any of these jump out as you, at you as something you definitely want me to have done for that show, let me know. Cause and he'll help me prioritize like what I'm doing first, second or third, if I don't have a real strong feeling about it. Okay. Sometimes he'll give ideas, but that's also tricky too with an agent because he represents so many artists. He can't just, you know, some, some agents send the same trends to everybody. Mm -hmm. So they might have like 30 artists and they'll say, here's the trends we're looking for. And they send out like this mass call out. Well, then you get a bunch of people doing the same thing 
and one agent to be showing it. So it kind of, mm. it's kind of weird. Like you're kind of um, competing against the other artists. Right, right. Because they don't need 15 tropical bird collection options. It, become, it would become so overwhelming for the client that right. they might not choose anything, right? Right. So my agent, I mean, I'll speak for him. This is my theory. I feel like he kind of follows what we're doing. And then if, he, if they were to come to me and say, hey, can you do this? It's because they know it's really in my wheelhouse of what I've done. Okay. So I've done a few collections. Another trend right now is animals in clothes, like humanizing animals. You haven't seen this? No. Oh, do you mean like kids <clears throat> characters? I'm not quite no, sure. Like mean. taking like a giraffe, like you have behind you, like yeah. real, like almost a realistic one. And then putting a hat and gloves and ugly, yes, yes. like that. You, yes, you know. Like Kate Spade has a lot of those things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that is definite up and coming trend. And I've been having so much fun with that trend. So I've done like, I did one collection called warm in the wilderness where it's like bears acting like they're cold. So they're in scarves and, and stuff like that. So because I've done a few collections with animals in clothes, when they had a request for a different kind of animal in clothes, they came to me. And they're like, right. hey, this client's looking for this. You've, you know, you're kind of our artist that's doing this right now. Can you yeah. do this? So it made sense yeah. for them to throw it into, you know, pass that ball to me versus some of their other artists. Okay. So then so. I, you said something interesting back there that I, that brought another question to mind. So Surtex show is the end of May. So, and then when is the Atlanta gift show? We, did you hear that the Surtex show is moving, but we won't get into a huge discussion about that. No. Yes. Next year it will be February. So oh. moving it to correspond with the New York now gift show. And it will start on February 3rd, which is Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, well, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Traditionally, I mean, I've been in this business for 15 years. It's always been the third weekend in May. So it's really freaking me out a little bit. Um, Okay. So the main, yeah, yeah, the main gift show in Atlanta, the biggest one is in January. And then I would say the second biggest one, you know, that's important for licensing would be in July. It's usually like the second week of July. Okay. So when you say that you spot a trend, Mm-hmm. This year it's May. Well, we won't get into what's going right, to happen year. next year. Okay. So <laughs> when you say you're getting things ready for the Atlanta gift show, are you talking about between May and July of the same year, getting things ready for your agent? Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. Let's dig into that because I'm so fascinated okay. by, by you know what this means to you. So okay. how many new artworks are you producing during that time, during those six weeks, let's say? I am very productive. I'm a very productive artist. And now that I have an agent, I'm like super productive. I think last year, you know, I've, my, my business has always gone surtex to surtex. And last year I did, I believe, 30, like 34, 35 new collections in that year. All right, back up because people who are listening, they don't mm-hmm. understand what a whole collection is. So when you say you have 35 okay. collections, how many pieces of art are in each collection? This is like I was going to St. Ives and... Okay. Okay. So (laughs) here's the basics of art licensing. So in art licensing, you need to create art in collections so that, so that a company, if you think about shopping and I always like to use dishes as an example. Okay. So you think about, I'm going to go buy some Christmas dishes. You wouldn't buy something that had the same exact design on every single thing, right? There's always four salad plates. They always have a different design on them. 
The dinner plate is usually a coordinating pattern or a coordinating design that'll look good one on top of the other. The mugs might have the same four designs from the plates. So a collection is at minimum four images that coordinate, like that just totally go together. I always, you know, I usually start in squares, then I'll do some rectangles. I might put things in circles. You have to be really flexible with your art to be able to format it to different shapes. Again, thinking about the kinds of products, like is it going to go on a round plate? Is it going to go on a rectangular tablecloth? Is it going to go on a mug that is like curved? So you have to be very flexible and be able to do a lot with your art digitally. Even if you paint, like I hand paint everything, but I've got mad Photoshop skills because I have to. Okay. So <clears throat> four images minimum, maybe some more. And then I always do a few um, supporting patterns. So it might, for Christmas, it might be a plaid, it might be a snowflake toss, it might be a stripe, it might be all three. So that okay. the manufacturers really have a variety of things to work with so they can make something interesting so people want to buy more than one piece. Okay, so let's pretend you're doing the tropical bird collection. Mm -hmm. So what would that look like? Okay, so my tropical bird collection, it had like a macaw. It had, I did two toucans. I did a parrot and then I did another, yeah, I think I did like two or two cans and then two other birds. And then I did a variety of flowers. So I did some birds of paradise, um, plumeria, is that how you say it? I'm not good at our names. I'm not, I'm, I you know, know the ones they I put behind their ear in Hawaii. Yeah. Right. The little hibiscus? No, well, I did hibiscus too. Yeah, yeah. it's something with a P, I don't know. Okay. All the Hawaiian people will know. <laughs> that I said it wrong or right. I don't know. And then some, some branches and then some different palm leaves. So that, and I painted them all separate so that I could layer them in Photoshop okay. and turn them into whatever shape I needed them to be. Then to support that, I created a, like a repeat pattern that was just the palm leaves because it would look really pretty behind any of the images. So again, if you think of the plate example, the dinner plate might be a beautiful repeat with palm leaves and then each salad plate has a bird on it. So if you're layering them on your table, like a good little Mark Stewart, you know, person and it, it's going to look really cute layered together. Yeah. And then I also did a plaid with colors from all the birds so that it would coordinate oh, with cool. that. And then I did a texture. Okay. So that's kind of what that looked like. All right. And I know that we steam coming out of your ears. You're like, oh. yeah, yeah, no, it's really fun. <laughs> I do. No, it's really, it's fun. But like I said, I'm, this is not what I'm doing. I'm just still fascinated by it. And then I have friends who want to get into licensing. So I actually took down some, I was like, Blenda, what do you want me to ask Tara? <laughs> so, okay, so some of these questions come from my friend Blenda. So okay. she wants to know what medium do your clients prefer you work in or do you not even think of it what or is it just really what medium you prefer to work in to order to create these collections as far as like the art media yeah, like are you doing ac acrylic are you doing watercolor are you using an ipad i think you said you hand paint everything yeah i i personally do watercolors i've dabbled in acrylics it's not my favorite and therefore it doesn't come out as well you really need to do what works for you. You know, acrylics, there's um, been people that have used oil paints that have done well in licensing, digital for sure, iPad or digital on a computer, um, watercolor, I don't remember what I didn't say. Um, colored pencil doesn't work as well 
-hmm. Now somebody's going to say what Mary Engelbright uses with colored pencil, but she does it over her paintings. Like she does it to add texture and vibrancy. So again, it's, it's think about what you're seeing in the store. And then there's definite trends that go through. Like it's all like, I've been doing this, like I said, 15 years. So you see things come and go. So really hand painted will be really popular. And then all of a sudden vector art, like that really like computer, digital, modern look is what everybody's looking for. And all of us who paint are going, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? But if you keep going long enough, then it comes back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my advice would be don't pick a medium for the industry. Pick a medium that speaks to you and that you can really do well because if you do something, I mean, you do things by request that maybe aren't like, oh, this has me so excited. But if it doesn't have you excited at all, or the medium isn't really working for you, it's not going to work well enough to actually get a deal. Okay. All right. So you, you, you are in the midst of creating, or you said you did 35 collections for yeah. the Atlanta show. Is that right? No, for like for Surtex. For, for Surtex. Oh, okay. So I will probably oh, it took have, you all year to do 30. Yes. Yeah. I will probably have five new things okay. done for him to take with him in July that people did not see in May ah. because I also had to do all the follow-up, you know? So when you're at Surtex, people are like, Oh, I love that. But can you change the color of this bird? Can you change the format of this? Can you do this? Can you do this? So you're doing a lot of um, manipulating and, and adjusting for specific people's needs so yeah. it's not like you're constantly like, okay, I can just, all that's done. I don't have to do anything. I can move on. You're hopefully, cause that means you're close to getting a deal or have a deal right. playing with it too, to make it right for their product. Cause that's really what we do. We create art that sells a product. And then once you've closed the deal, you still, I'm sure have art direction from your agent and the client. Is that right? Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like the business has changed a little bit. Sometimes you're not going to actually get a contract and be sure you have a deal until they've shopped it. So you might be doing some of that manipulation ahead of time. Like maybe they're going to go, Oh, we want to show this to bed, bath and beyond. Oh, they want to see this a little bit different. And you're having to do those changes before you know Mm. if you're getting that deal or not. Mm. Can that be frustrating or is that more encouraging? Cause you feel like I'm doing this work and I'm really close. Uh, it can be either. And it depends on, it depends on the client and like how well, you know, the account, because sometimes with a newer company, you don't know, are they just making me jump through these hoops and they're not sure what they're doing? You know, you're not, you don't really have a track record with them. Mm. So sometimes that's where you might say, okay, you know, I'll do one or two changes, but if you want more, I would like an advance and they can say yes or no. Okay. And now you, so you said that in this Surtex cycle, you have, you created 35 new collections. How does that compare? And and you're working with an agent now. So previously, Tara, you acted as your own agent. So how does that compare when you did have to act as your own agent? Did you have just as many collections to show? No, I usually had in the low twenties, I would say when I, when I was doing it all myself, but Also, since I've started with an agent, I've changed my style and my painting style takes a lot longer than what I used to do. So not only am I doing more, but it's, it's more detailed, like it's more painterly watercolor. So it does take me longer to do a collection than I used to. So not only do you have more, but you're able to do the more involved collections, which give you those, give you more pleasure. 
And one thing I was curious about is, well, I think we talked about this in Surtex. We might as well talk about it again. Why, why did you decide to go with an agent suddenly since you had been representing yourself <laughs> successfully all these years? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a, I've thought about it different times over the years because it's, you always wonder, like, am I spreading myself too thin trying to do it all? But then at the same time, you know, I have control issues. I know I can do the marketing. Um, Mm. An agent in this industry generally takes 50%. So you need twice as many jobs to make the same money. So it was kind of this perfect storm of bad things that happened Mm. that caused me to finally say, okay, I'm going to change everything and and I'm going to go work with an agent. My dad had Alzheimer's and was really sick for about four and a half years before he passed away. Mm, And yeah, and it was, it was a lot of work. He lived, he and my mom moved um, to live near me and my brother so that we could help them. He ended up in a memory care, like two miles from my house. So it just really for a couple of years was a huge time and just emotional thing. And it definitely affected my creativity. So my business suffered as a result of that. Then, you know, he passed away. And so then you're recovering from that. I stupidly thought I would be okay within about two weeks because I felt like I was Mm. pre-grieving for so long. Right. False, false, false. If anyone's dealing with this, false. You just get all kinds of different things that come up. So, you know, then I was just kind of sitting in January with a friend and going, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I don't, thinking about doing, you know, getting this art started again is exciting, but thinking about having to do a booth and everything involved and, and all that, it just, it just feels heavy to me. And, you know, this friend has always worked with an agent. So I was asking her a lot about like, how do you like it? Why do you like it? How does it work? And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to see how it works. So I kind of put my toe in and I'm going to answer kind of one of your other questions while I talk about this, but I had been working with Gary at Roaring Brook Licensing for about three years because he's also a publisher. So he does wall art. I I see. So in other words, you, as as your own agent, you had a contract for his wall art. So you had a relationship with him. Okay. Right. And we actually met teaching a class together at Surtex called Agent or Alone. I was the example of, you know, what it looks like and why you would want to do it yourself. And he was the example of what an agent brings to the table. And we hit it off so much in that class that Penny, who was the head of Surtex at the time and moderating, started laughing and says, I think these two are going to work together at some point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, three years later when we did, I, I sent her message. I'm like, you were right, you little matchmaker. That's awesome. So, yeah. So it was, it was a little easier because I knew him. I knew that we worked really well together. I knew we communicated really well. I knew we really like enjoyed each other like just talking to each other and the communication is so key. So I kind of reached out to him like, Hey, if I gave you a certain number of collections and you could totally license them, you know, no holds barred, would you represent, you know, would you give me visibility at Surtex? Cause I hadn't been there the year before cause my son graduated and I felt like two years not being there at all would be bad. <clears throat> so I was like, yeah, sure. So we started like that. And then I just really enjoyed working with him and his team. That's great. Like, I was like, okay, I'm all in. Let's let's do this. Let's That's do this. awesome. Okay, so now I'm like worried about you because about you me? created thirty. Not, <laughs> not because of the agent. By the okay. way, I met Gary at Surtex. He's a really nice guy. He actually lives like 20 minutes from me here in in New York. 
so I might get him, get him to talk to me also. No, I'm worried about you because of what you said about Surtech being in February, because you told us that you created 35 collections in this mm-hmm. cycle. So are you planning to create 35 collections by February or you're just going to like go with the flow and what you do by February is what you do? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm very much a go with the flow and you know, so sometimes it comes in spurts. I'll get like six done in a month and then the next month, maybe I have more tweaking to do for clients or a vacation or something. So I don't get as many done. So it's not like I sat down and said, I will do these 36 between this May and next May. It's just, just what happened. I got it. You know, and also because Surtex is changing as far as timing and location and where it sits within all these other trade shows, it's a big question mark for everyone about whether they're going to be there. Is it going to still be at the Javits Center? Yeah. So it'll be um, along with New York Now gift show. Okay, I've never. That'll be. It's you know, it's kind of like the Atlanta gift show, but it's for the north northeast. Okay, so it's a regional gift show, pretty big gift show, and the stationary show is also moving. So I mean, after I think it's been I think it's been in May since it began, like thirty two years ago. So it's a Hmm. huge upheaval in in the industry, and it's a huge question mark for everybody that I've talked to. Like, okay, you know, it's two or three weeks after the Atlanta gift show where a lot of us go and talk to clients, we're not going to have that much new. Are those clients from Florida going to want to dare to come to New York February? Right. Are they going to want to come Super Bowl Sunday? You know, when you're investing that much in a show and your first day is Super Bowl Sunday, that to me is a little problematic. Yeah. So I don't know what'll happen, but you know, regardless of whether Gary exhibits or doesn't exhibit in February, I will always be just, you know, creating art and continuing to build my portfolio. Well, it's not like Surtex is the only time where he's yeah. selling art. I mean, he has relationships with manufacturers. I'm sure yeah. he's connecting with them all year long. Yeah. 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 And that's one thing yeah. that's a little different too about an agent. Like for me, Surtex was my huge event of the year. It was my mm-hmm. huge marketing expense and my huge face-to-face event. I would also go you know, and run around the halls and meet with clients in Atlanta in January. But otherwise, it was all email phone calls. That was one of my key face-to-face places. But, you know, Gary's going to other trade shows. So he's going to the tabletop show or he might go to the a textile show. Like he's going to other trade shows where our clients are. And then also, you know, sometimes visiting them in their home offices. So I'm getting a lot more, my art is getting a lot more one-on-one attention with clients than it ever could when it was just me, myself. And you shared something very interesting with me when we were at Surtex. You were saying how Gary has been very helpful and and Gary is um, Tara's agent, for those of you who don't remember who's Gary, but (laughs) you were saying um, that Gary has been very helpful when you create, let's say, uh, a new collection with giving you feedback that really helps elevate your art. Can you share an example of something like that that's happened recently? How, what feedback he gave you and how you changed your art? Yeah. So I was telling her to everyone listening at Surtex, you know, that he, like, I'll get to this level, which I know works because I've been doing it so long, but he'll get me to the next level, like up leveling and making it better. So one, the first example that came to mind was I was working on a farm, Chris, like Christmas on the farm collection. And so I'd painted like two different angles of cows and a sheep and a goat. And, and, and by the way, there were a lot of Christmas pigs. 
Yes. Did you notice I that? Pig. I have a pig as well. Farm yeah. is big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The farmhouse look and the farm animals also big. So, you know, I had painted these really cute animals and then I put these beautiful wreaths around their neck and I varied the wreaths a little bit. Like one had more poinsettias, one had more pine cones or whatever. And I just thought it was fantastic and done because I was ready to move on. <laughs> you know, artistic ADD, I call it. Like, okay, I'm done with these farm animals. Let's do something else. So I sent it to him and he's like, this is really great, but it needs a little more variety. Let's just do a wreath on one. And what else can you do? Like, what else can you do with these animals that's Christmassy, but doesn't look like everybody got a wreath? It's like giving everybody socks for Christmas. So then it ended up that the goat was tangled up in Christmas lights. They're like wrapped all around his body. And then there was a cow pulling a tree on a sled. So it just, it, it got more interesting, more visually interesting. Yeah. That's really sounds interesting, Tara. Like all those different ideas that must've been a lot of fun for you too. Like, wow, I never thought of putting Christmas lights around. Yeah. And a lot of times too, like this is like with almost any artist who is working out of a home studio, like it's, it's a very isolated type of work, you know, and I, I kind of like it, you know, I'm alone yeah. a lot and I have a lot of friends online, you know, like you, and I feel like very connected to a lot of different people through social media, but sometimes you just need that back and forth. That's a little more personal and the conversations to just really keep you excited yeah. and, and keep you moving forward to do what needs to be done to like really hit the mark for the art. And do you feel like your agent holds you accountable or you feel like that motivates you because you know that he's waiting for things? Does that, um, is that helpful? Is that another reason why you've been more productive, do you think, because somebody is waiting for it? No, I'm, I've never really needed an accountability okay. partner because okay. I'm just, I'm very driven with it. Yeah. But I know, you know, like a lot of times it'll be email back and forth, but every once in a while I'll reach out and like, hey, can we have a phone call? Like, can we talk? And so whenever we're able to get on the phone and either just be talking about the business or talking about trends or talking about specific art, that really gets me more excited. And then I start moving even faster. Sometimes he just has to keep up. That's great. You can ask him about that. I, I will. Hopefully, you know, he hasn't, it's he hasn't our booked joke. it's it our yet. Joke. So I may be editing this part out if he like doesn't come through, but there's, yeah, a, there's some I'm other like, agent. I'm like, buckle up, Gary. I'm on a roll. <laughs> So where should people go and find you now? I know you you don't teach it, but what what would you want to get out of this? You want people to start following you on Instagram and like where where should people come and yeah. find you, Tara? Yeah, Instagram is kind of the playground I like the most now. Okay. Artist Tara Reed. All Perfect. one word. T-A-R-A-R-E-E-D. And um, I will put a link to that on yeah. my blog where the show notes are. Thank you so much for joining me, Tara. This was so much fun. I had so much fun talking to you. Oh, I, I can talk about art and art licensing for days. So very fun. Yeah, awesome. Okay. All right. So there you have it. If you're interested in hearing more about Tara, you can find links to her website and all her social media accounts in the show notes at shulmanart.com forward slash nine. Finally, to wrap this all up, I've got a question for you. Are you subscribed to my podcast? If you're not, I want to encourage you to do that right away, like right this minute. I have been brewing up some really amazing special guest episodes, and I'm also going to start adding some solo mini trainings that I don't want you to miss. 
If you want to be notified every time I drop a new episode, including these bonus episodes, make sure you subscribe to my podcast as you won't want to miss any of these. If you have an Apple device, go to shulmanart.com forward slash iTunes, hit the purple subscribe button. But you can also find the Inspiration Place podcast on all major podcast directories, including Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Thanks so much for being with me here today. I will see you the same time, same place next week. And you're not going to want to miss it because next week I'm having Tara's agent, Gary Levine, come and dish out what it's like from the agent point of view. In the meanwhile, have an inspirational week. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course on shulmanart.com. 